Horde of Notions is brought to you every week by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering cards, singles, and products. Check us out at FaceToFaceGames.com where you can pre-order Gate Crash singles, boxes, fat packs, and more. Good evening and welcome to episode 66 of Horde Notions. I am your host, Chris. With me tonight, just two of the regular hosts. First of all, it's Will. Last ride continues to the Super Bowl. I feel like I've heard that before somewhere. Yeah, but chances are you probably edited it out the first time you heard it. Also with us is Travis. Go 49ers! Harbaugh! Uh, tonight we're continuing our set review of Gatecrash, this time focusing on the impact it will have on modern. Bear in mind, we don't pretend to be pro tour level deck builders. These decks are mainly aimed for having fun at FNM. Maybe you can take them to a Grand Prix trial or some Star City event so that you can get a deck tech and sit next to Ruben Bresler for 15 minutes while he makes incredibly hilarious puns at your expense. Or something. Right. Yes. Of course, you're not going to do that in the modern format, but hey. hey so we modern just, is the format for fun right now. There's still a lot of exploring to do. You might be right. Two explores? Two explores. <laughs> or an explore and a divination taped together. Oh, oh. Now, we've each picked out five cards uh, that we think are going to have an impact on the format. And we're going to start with Will. Will, what's your first pick? It's Krokonura again. That card is the nuts. <laughs> it's broken. It's just totally broken. It is, like a crocodile frog. I don't know how you deal with that. I'm surprised uh, they have an emergency bandit already, the way they did memory jar. No, but like, remember how we were talking uh, two casts ago about a lion having a 36-foot vertical jump? Like, you're essentially yeah. talking about a crocodile that can jump as high as a frog, like that has frog leap. That is, that's insane. And can shoot his tongue out, wrap you up, and pull you into his jaws. Yeah, that, like, that's, that's just broken. Yeah, yeah. However, what is your real first card? <laughs> it is Master Biomancer, which, uh, is a 2-4 for a 2, a green, and a blue. And each other creature you control enters the battlefield with a number of additional plus one plus one counters on it, equal to Master Biomancer's power, and as a mutant in addition to his other types. Okay. So, apart from the fact that you can play this with uh, the card that makes all your creatures ninjas and Horn Turtle, so the Horn Turtle becomes a mutant ninja turtle. Congratulations. That was How long fun. has Horn Turtle been around? <laughs> I don't know why. Because if it's been here 13 years, it'd be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Come on, Chris, keep it up. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, uh, chocolate. It was Tempest, so yeah. 97? It's a teenage mutant ninja turtle. That's boom! <laughs> so why is this so good in modern? Well, 
I, I'm not 100% sure it's good in modern, but what it does is it gives, uh, aside from Malira, it also works for, uh, for Persist. Yes, that's very true. It and, does. I mean, admittedly, if you have an infinite sack outlet, then you don't really need it, but what's, uh, a nice combo with this is the fact that, uh, Murderous Redcap triggers off the additional plus one plus one counters. Yeah, also true. So, in case that becomes relevant, maybe they have something that triggers every time a creature goes to the graveyard. It'll kill them in less repetitions of the of the combo, anyway. As well as, like, there's a lot of times with Birthing Pod is you'll get on the beatdown plan, and this certainly helps out. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And it's green, which might be relevant if they ever unban Green Sun Zenith. Isn't it also an elf? Um, an elf wizard. Oh, Jay. Snap. And it's also a mutant. Mm, no, it's not. Or is it other creature? Each other creature. Although if you have okay. another one into the battlefield, then it's an elf mutant wizard. And that just makes things gigantic. Yes. Yeah, I, I like this card. I think it's going to have some uh, some applications. I think, yeah, in, it, I can see it in Milleropod for sure. So I think you, it's more just something that it, it offers many opportunities to build around or have some fun with in modern which, from the modern that I've been playing, is uh, something that people are actively trying to do, which I don't see as much in standard. So it, it can definitely provide a nice change of pace. Yeah. I think it definitely is, is going to fit Malira in modern. I mean, it just, at the cost of splashing blue to get it in there, it provides a, an extra Malira effect to go infinite with Kitchen Finks or Red Cap. And it curves perfectly from Kitchen Finks to Master Biomancer to where I don't see any reason you wouldn't play it, and it it's going to be good. I would snap up some of the cards for Malira now if you don't have them, just in case. Yeah, and not that they're not already ridiculously expensive. Well, they're not Aether Sworn Candace ridiculously expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah? How much do you think Court of Calling it costs right now, Well, Um, I'm going to assume that the like, dollar that I bought it for about a year ago is no longer valid, and say, five bucks? Try ten. Really? Yes. Oh, that's like, not even like, that's played in one deck. And Two not decks. In, all, in not in all varieties of that one deck. You'll be glad to know, however, that Malera Silvok Outcast is still only a dollar. There we go. That's because but, she's yeah. going to be replaced by this guy. Well, maybe not replaced, but added to with this guy. <laughs> and Murderous Redcap, which, by the way, was an uncommon, is two dollars. Well, that's still Finks better than... Uh, Finks, like five, isn't it? Finks is more like eight. Well, Spell Snare is like ten bucks. So yes, actually that's not true. It is nine dollars on facefacegames. dot com. Yeah, Kitchen Finks is ten. It's ten dollars. I didn't know there was an F and M Kitchen Finks. There is. Yep, it's gorgeous. They look. Why do I not have these? Um, because you're broke. Yeah, but you know there are other ways of attaining these things. Yeah, KYT Chris Lansdale's coming over for sexual favors. Uh, edit. Travis, your first card. 
All right, my verse card is one I talked about last week in Standard as well. well hold up, hold up. <sighs> Let it out, Will. I just needed a big sigh right there. <laughs> and, uh, and it was not last week, it was earlier this week. Oh, earlier this week, whenever the previous one is posted. Viscopa Guildmage, or Viscopa, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it should be called Orsava Guildmage, but... It's very, very much should do, but should be, yes. For a white and a black, it's a 2-2 human wizard. For colorless white and a black, target creature gains a lifelink until end of turn. For a colorless white and a black, whenever you gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. Uh, first, technically you could put it in for the Meliripod deck as a way to kill with Kitchen Finks. Um, but mainly, I think this thing can go into the Martyr decks. I think a black-white Martyr could really... Use this. Yes, I, I like it. It will be easy just to reveal what. I mean, Martyr does three times the number of white cards. Yeah. So, you know, I reveal six white cards in my hand, or seven. Guess what? I just won. <laughs> uh, things huh. like a Ranger Vios to get extra white cards in your hand, and a Squadron Hawk. Squadron Hawk. I mean, it's not yeah. really that hard to get six or seven cards in your hand that are all, all white mana. I mean, you go first turn Martyr, second turn this. You couldn't do it till turn four because it costs one to activate the Martyr, but still, that's ridiculously fast. You're gaining life to extend your turn, your game. I mean, it's something to look out for. Martyr's fringe turn, tier one now. Yeah. I, I can see that. I don't think Travis knows what fringe means. That's a TV show, isn't it? Did they just have the like the series finale? They did. It was a sad day. I cried lots. I have a, seasons two and three sitting on my shelf waiting to watch. But I, I think I think he's got a point though. Like this could uh, this could be a win condition for the Martyr deck. I don't even think you need to drop it on turn two. For one thing, you never play Martyr turn one. No, you never do. Um, you always play Martyr turn one. What's wrong with you? Uh, well, you play it turn yeah. two so you can activate it immediately. No, you play turn one, so that way you get their good removal out of their hand. Then you play two more <laughs> martyrs. To turn one, then you play martyr turn two, gain the ten life, and attack with a six six. Clearly, Travis doesn't know how to play magic. Jeez, <laughs> that is the most logical play that you're supposed to make, which means it's wrong. But I mean, even with just little incremental gains, you have two or three soul wardens or um, soul ascendants. And you play a creature, you activate this, and, you know, you gain four life, and they lose four life. Yeah, and you can play Bob in that deck, too, by the way. Or Orzhov Charm. Yeah. Or, or I, like I think this. you're going to talk about later. Yeah, I definitely am. In fact, I'm going to talk about it right now. And that's Immortal Servitude. Now, this card is Orzhov, 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 and X. And by Orzov, I mean white-black hybrid. Thank you. For a sorcery, return each creature with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. And I'm pretty sure the actual card will say each creature card because there are no creatures in your graveyard. This will go right into Martyr decks. I mean, you don't even need to be playing black for this to work. For four mana, you get all of your Martyrs back. You get all your Sarah Ascendant, your Soul's Attendants, your Soul Wardens, all come back. 
if, like me, you were playing uh, a single Weathered Wayfarer in the deck, that comes back too. So I think we should call the deck, like, Immortal Martyr now? I think we can get rid of the proc. No, I think you still play one or two procs. Oh, no, but I meant for, like, title. Oh, yeah. Change it up. Yeah, for sure. Immortal Martyr sounds... It's just a lot cooler. By the way, Proclamation of Rebirth? There's another card. How much do you think that costs? Well, Like... Eight dollars. They probably give you a quarter each time you order one? <laughs> it's only six. What? But uh, the foil is 20. I don't understand that difference. That's a huge gap. Because, obviously, it's played in all casual formats. Hmm. Yeah, possibly. Although, anyway. my foil death rate champion has gone down to 60 bucks. I'm kind of disappointed in that. Yeah, me too. I have two. I, I really like this card, though. I think I mean, apart from the fact that you can bring back all of your one-drops in that deck, you also have the ability to do it for more if you need to. Like, if you need to arrange your Eos back for some reason, or you need to bring back uh, Squadron Hawk to find more Squadron Hawks that you put back with the Misfail planes. Uh, it has the flexibility of doing more. And it can get back your Ajani Pride Mates, which uh, that deck should be playing four of as well. Right. Imagine getting back two Ajani Pride Mates if you already have, like, say, three... Uh, Soul Wardens in play. Yeah, that's big game right there. Although you'd also get your Squadron Hawks back. So, I mean, you could... Hey, look, all of a sudden I've got two nine nines on the board. Or even if you already have a Pride Mate in play and you cast this. like, yeah, and You cast it for one and you get all your Wardens back and then you get a Martyr back and you sack your Martyr in game like six life and then you just go boom. Just kill. Like it's It's pretty insane. Yes, I agree. I, I think Martyr definitely is one to watch out for once the set is released. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what this looks like in foil. I bet it's pretty. Yeah. But then again, Godless Shrine foil is going to be ridiculously pretty too. So, <laughs> Alright, well, your second card. Uh, following in the footsteps of uh, the... Uh, the Orzhov theme. Uh, my next card is Blind Obedience, which Chris had talked about in Standard already. But it's certainly, uh, like, one of the things that people have been complaining about is the fact that, you know, there's decks that are too fast, and there's not really a pure control deck out there. And this is certainly the card that I think will be able to put control decks in, uh, in a spot where they can certainly compete better. But it's also... Uh, Aggro decks or other decks that have access to white mana, this can be extremely backbreaking when playing <laughs> when playing against stuff like Infinity uh, Affinity or when playing against stuff uh, that uh, that they require uh, to kind of just go all out because this because uh, also hits artifacts so their Mox Opals come into play tapped their Springleaf Drums come into play tapped um, their Darksteel Citadels come into play tapped <laughs> also. It hoses twin. It also does. It hoses twin real bad. Hey, you know what? It's white mana to cast it. It gains you life. It fits into mortar. In the sideboard, at least. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure martyrs going to be using it as a, a big source of life gain. 
No, but it's incidental. But like you said, it slows down. It's a good cyborg card for Martyr against Twin, one of their worst matchups. Or Pod, another really bad matchup for them. I mean, the Birthing Pod comes into play tapped. The Creatures come into play tapped. Um, it's a really good cyborg, for, cyborg card for Martyr decks. It is the uh, it is the two mana white hate bear that's technically not a bear. Yeah, which you can't fetch up with. Well, you don't play Fauna Shaman in Martyr now. I I did when Modern first became a thing, but white black is definitely the better version. On an interesting side note, apparently uh, Arzava was uh, not destroyed, so I don't know why it's called Viscopa Guildmage. Yeah. Especially that Viscopa is the bank. I don't think you understand what interesting means. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you don't understand what I don't care what it means. Uh, Travis, your next card, sir. Zamek Guild Mage. It is okay. a 2-2 elf wizard for green and a blue. It's already got a relevant creature type. And its abilities have been pretty aggressively costed. For a green and a blue, this turn, each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. And for a green and a blue, you can remove a plus one, plus one counter from a creature you control to draw a card. It's like Master Biomancer, but requiring mana to activate. But it also slides right into Meliripod. Um, it's a good little way to make your elf creatures bigger for an elf deck. And... That's not exactly a bad price to draw a card. No, it isn't. Uh, like I said, his abilities are aggressively cost. They should he should see some play somewhere. I can definitely see that being playable. And like you said, Milleripod you pay the mana once and then you can infinitely sack your Finks or Red Cap or Whatever else you feel like sacking with persist, Woodfall Primus. That you can. In terms of I mean, it, earlier it, pod, I think this uh, this certainly has uh, a place for that first ability. I don't think the second ability will be entirely relevant. It may, but certainly the first ability will uh, will see a bunch of play. And again, it curves out perfectly. You've got a sack out, outlet on your turn one or two, Kitchen Finks, and then do this. You play it and activate it the same turn. Boom, you go off. Hey, look, I have infinite life. Speaking of things that hose twin, which we were a minute ago, uh, my next card also hoses twin, and that is Etherize. Etherize. Whatever. It's what, three and a blue for an instant. Return all attacking creatures to their owner's hand. So, unless twin nut draws you and goes off on turn four, or turn three in the Jun version, you will have the mana available to cast this when they go off. And if they do it with Splinter Twin, they lose their Splinter Twin. If they don't do it with Splinter Twin, they still have to recast everything, which, you know, is going to be, uh, it's going to take them two turns. So, it gives you a chance to, to find an answer, to reset, or even just to kill them. It's also just good against stuff like Affinity. Yes, especially since it'll return their lands. Yeah, like their Ink Moth Nexus, their Blink Moth Nexus. It's good against the uh, Kiki Pod decks that make Restos or Zealous Conscript copies. Uh, it's it, And it also uh, stops the Slippery Bogle deck from killing you. Uh, it target. There's actually the proper way to pronounce that now. 
Slippery bogle. Thank you, Travis. Well, there, there's that, but there's another way to pronounce it that I found out at the PTQ. Uh, it's Boglet? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> you. If you see someone playing it, you have to walk by. You can't just stop. You have to walk by. But when you're walking by, you can go... No. You can. <laughs> I, I can, but I won't. You need I'm, to do that to what they will. Well, see, here, here's the thing, right? Like, I'm not very good at it, but uh, Dan Lanthier was doing it at the PTQ this past weekend, and he was fantastic at it. Uh, so if you, run in, if you run into Dan Lanthier, one, call him Daniel Lanthier. He much prefers Daniel Lanthier to Dan Lanthier. And two, ask him to do his Pac-Man, Pac-Man impersonation of a bogle. Yeah, or not. But I, uh, I think that card has some potential to be a, a sideboard card to really keep you in the game against those combo decks, or just to reset the board so that you can win. It's going to be an outstanding limited card. Yes. Yeah, uh, end of your turn, bounce all your dudes, kill you. Well, not end of your turn. During combat. End of your combat phase. Well, then they could just recast in second main. Well, you have to. They're attacking. Shut up. I knew that. Three-legged Will, your next card, sir. Uh, this is what I'd like to do to Chris and Travis every t- single time I finish casting with them. And that is Skullcrack. <laughs> we love you too, Will. I know. Uh, so it's an instant uh, for one in red. It says, players can't gain life this turn. Damage can't be rented this turn. Skullcrack deals three damage to target player. Which, while it, we didn't mention the standard cast, it is relatively decent in standard, but in modern, it is fantastic. It replaces Flames of the Blood Hand, straight up. Do you think it replaces, or should it just go in addition to? I think it replaces. I think if you can lower your curve on that deck, you absolutely want to. Would you put flames in the sideboard, then? Maybe, but I, I like. I think you just want another copy of this, right? Because there's a lot of times when you're playing the mono-red burn deck where you're only going to have two lands. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, I see it just straight up four of in the burn deck to start with. I can agree with that. Like, it, it does, it deals the three damage, which is required as a minimum from pretty much every card that go into that deck. And the fact that uh, damage can't be rented isn't huge, but players can't gain life this turn is really big. You know, so as Chris and Travis are on the bandwagon of saying, uh, where people are going to all exclusively be playing Martyr Proc, uh, this is the card, or sorry, Immortal Martyr, uh, this is the card that's going to stop them from gaining all that life. It's also just really good against all the decks that run Kitchen Finks. I mean, that's the way a lot of decks combat the burn decks. So I'm going to bring in Finks. Yeah, it stops, uh, well, Burning Pod for me, well, to Infinite with Kitchen Finks. Yes. And it's quite funny if you do that, actually. It's, honestly, it's a card that I see from the set, seeing the most play in in Modern. Well, I think Travis is about to disagree with you. Travis yes. always disagrees with me. 
Here, Travis, let me ask you a question. Does your creature card that you're going to reveal, reveal next require mana to activate? Why, it does. Uh, go on. Dusk Mental Guild Mage. It just blew uh, for the people at home. Uh, Travis is only doing the three three guild mages. He's not doing all five, so don't worry. It ends <laughs> yeah, here. Uh, the pure is good. <laughs> Although I do think this is the best group of guild mages of any of the sets that have had them. Go on. Sure, let's go with that. It's a 2-2 human wizard. For one blue and a black, whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, that player loses one life. For two blue and a black, target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So why is this good in modern? Because there's a card called Minecrank. Also, right. there's a card called Archive Trap. Okay, so they go fetch, and you go archive trap, activate guild mage, deal you 13. That works, too. But if you have a mind crank in play, it's, you know, anytime you let a card get in your graveyard, you die. <laughs> yeah. I can see that being uh, quite dangerous. Mind crank is two to cast? It's two to cast. It's an artifact that basically says um, if your opponent loses life, they mill that many cards. So if you want, you can go turn one, Mox Opal, Dark Steel Citadel, Memnite, Minecrank, turn two, this guy, turn three, win the game. You could do it that way. You could just win on turn four. Or later. Yeah. I mean, turn one thought C so that you see that the way is clear to do these things. Why don't you do just do turn one? Turn three, this guy, plus a, a thought C's, plus this guy, turn four, Ghost Quarter, one of their lands, activate, you win. Okay, I don't think you know how to do this, Bray, but if you're going to do shenanigans, you never check to make sure the way is clear. You just shenanigan away. That is the that is the number one rule with shenanigans. It is full speed ahead. Otherwise, they wouldn't be called shenanigans. They'd be called carefully thinking out what you're going to do so you don't look like an idiot. And winning the game and making people flip the table because they lose the mill. Right. And even, well, technically, they're not losing to Mill. They're losing to Life Loss. Caused by Mill. Yeah, but, like, Eldrazi's don't prevent this. This is true. It'll still be funny. All right. So my next card is Spell Rupture. It's a blue and one for an instant. And it says, counter-target spell, unless its controller pays X where X is the highest power among creatures you control. I think having another counterspell that only costs a single blue and is two mana is just what Merfolk needs in modern to be ridiculous. Especially since once it gets its lords going, the highest power among creatures you control is likely to be five or six. You know, you play this in combination with Remand and Manalik, you know, Spell Pierce and Spell Snare as well. It's going to be very difficult for other decks to resolve their spells while you're beating them down with Pack Rat. Not only that, but Merfolk does have uh, uh, Vault as a way to make sure you always have a creature available. Yeah. So at the worst, this is Runeboggle. Because Vault can tap to activate itself, right? Yes. Yep. Would you like a uh, a funny anecdote? 
I don't know. What I'm going to give you one anyways. At the PTQ this weekend, uh, players sitting next to me, one of them was playing Merfolk, the other one was playing Storm. So the Storm player is facing lethal from the Merfolk Lords in play, so he has to go off that turn. So he plays Gitaxian Probe, and his opponent reveals his hand, and he has his opponent in play has three blue lands and a mutabolt. He reveals his hand. His hand is a Spell Snare, a Spell Pierce, and a Remand. <laughs> GG Storm. Well, GG. so his opponent, his Storm opponent, is just kind of like thinking it out, thinking it out, thinking it out, and I'm like, buddy, I don't know what you're thinking about. There's no way you can beat that hand. <laughs> yeah. What was I read on Twitter that... Apparently, counterbalance is a thing in the sideboard of Merfolk now. That's gross. I've never it, seen it, but certainly possible. It just beats some decks, right? You put a two-drop on top. What's going to get resolved? Oh. Like, Storm, it can't go off through uh, a two-drop on top with counterbalance. I guess. Is that really better, though, than Chalice of the Void? Uh, maybe. You can still cast your two drops through it. Although, I mean, if you've got um, Aether Vial, I guess it don't matter. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed funny. Also, last, I want to correct. On episode 64, we said that Memory Lapse would be really good on Isochron Scepter. Memory Lapse is not in Modern, unfortunately. Isn't there a white version of Memory Lapse in Modern? Lapse of Certainty. But it costs three. That was obviously Travis that said it. He's always trying to feed you guys incorrect information. It was actually me. I'll own up to it. About time. (laughs) Alright, your next card, Will. My next card is, uh, is a hate card. And no, it's not Glaring Spotlight. (laughs) <laughs> it's illness in the ranks. Uh, for one black, creature Ugh. tokens get minus one, minus one. Yeah. And it's an enchantment, right? It is an enchantment. Okay, so the obvious application here is hating on lingering souls, right? Uh, it's hating on black-white tokens in general, or also it's hating on um, Windbrisk height uh, decks. Yes. That's very true. There's something else it hates on, though, that I think you're missing. It hates on Twin. Yes, it does. Twin cannot kill you through this. So it's actually much better than uh, Night of Souls Betrayal, which was the card that was played before. Yeah. Especially since you can play multiple of them. It is not, however, better than Batwing Broom. Well, I'm just boycotting it because it will destroy scroll decks. So... Yeah. Uh, not Screw that have, card. Not if you have a net collector with threshold in play. <laughs> but it costs one mana. It comes down before my beloved squirrels can even hit the board. Uh, at one mana, it, it comes down before everything. You know what I think they could honestly do? Is if they're with this, they could unban Bitter Blossom. They could. I think they could unban Bitter Blossom just because of Abrupt Decay. Mm, I suppose so. But, like, this essentially says, like, turn one, <laughs> no Bitter Blossom. Yeah, it's like turn one, Bitter Blossom, it comes away that you you die. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably wait until... Ultimate week on for me. <laughs> yep. But this basically, uh, I... Mm, 
I'm ca- I kind of have mixed feelings about this card existing because it really damages Battalion's chances of being good. I mean, to a certain extent, right? Like, I, one of the things that I really like about this card is the fact that it, they don't exist in modern, but in sets printed before, you have a ton of hate cards that are very similar to this. Yeah. So you have stuff that either, you know... Well, actually, this, I say that, but I think Flashfires is actually legal in modern. Uh, I think, one I think so. Remember. But there's a lot of cards that, like, in the past would hate, like, a red card that would hate on white cards, or a blue card that would hate on green cards. Or there's black cards that would just, you know, hate on pretty much everything. And it's kind of nice to have these answers in uh, starting to see... Uh, well. This was the first one to be printed in modern. Boil is legal, right? So there you the, go. The thing this card tells me is that in either modern or standard, tokens got out of hand, so they really need to print an answer that was really cheap and really destructive. Admittedly, having it in this set is slightly weird because yeah. one, I mean, it, it might have been say too powerful against Lesnian Limited. But it's like it seems very much like I think most people can agree it's an answer to say uh, the tokens that existed in Innistrad. Though it's kind of weird that it wouldn't have been printed uh, in Innistrad. Block. Well, maybe, but maybe they just didn't want to ruin Sauron completely. That there maybe there are more tokens in Dragon's Maze. That's also possible. So it's just like it's it's a nice card. It's a card that. Personally, I like to see exist in formats. Admittedly, yeah. being in the sideboard, it's very narrow. But having it exist in formats uh, is something that I like to see. Okay, fair enough. Travis, your next card, which I hate. You hate my next card? Yes. <sighs> my next card is awesome. It is Thespian Stage. It is a land. You can tap it to add one to your mana pool. You can pay two and tap it, and Thespian Stage becomes a copy of Target Land and gains this ability. It is fantastic. It is awesome. From like a flavor yes. perspective, and just from a being awesome perspective. I agree. I still hate it. Foil copies of it are going to be fantastic because it's going to be an EDH staple forever. I actually think it's better than Vesuva. I do yeah, because it can change what it is. Don't get and it doesn't come into play tapped. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the one part that, well, technically the ability is better than Vesuva's. Uh, Vesuva's always going to be the better card, just because Vesuva has the better flavor text. For those who don't know, the flavor text on Vesuva is, it is everywhere you've ever been. <laughs> I want to know how many people knew Vesuva's flavor text without you having to say that. I think the I, reason, like, it's, it's a really good flavor text. The reason I hate that this card exists is that 16 post can now be a thing. Yep. And this is gross in Tron. How can 16 post be a thing? Because you have Vesuva, you have this, and you have Cloud Post. Like, not in modern. Yeah, not in modern. But in Legacy. But this goes straight into Tron. At least as a one-of, I would say yes. And, you know, it can be whatever part, it can be as a tower, whatever you need it to be. I'm not 100% sold on that. 
As someone who plays Tron fairly regularly, it's like... I mean, the mana base as it is is quite nice. I guess the ones that play two forests could probably cut a forest for this. The thing is, is that it can come down and it can uh, it can copy uh, like a colored land that you need, a green or a red, off of either one of your opponents or one of yours to get you th- through the early game. And then late game, it can become another Tron piece to boost your mana. Yeah, because it's not like it's ever a blank. It will always tap for a mana, right? That it will. And it doesn't come into play tapped. So, it's not... And it can stone it's rain those legendary lands. Yeah. Although, it's not really stone rain as much as it is raise, right? Yeah, but raise is still good. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I hate that Tron exists, as you're about to see from my next pick. And, like, just this this card makes Tron stronger, in my opinion. Duh, I don't duh, know. Duh. I what's wrote on the thing, I'm thinking that and Tron. What? My next card? Yeah. No, no, no. It doesn't go in Tron. Oh. You'll <laughs> say that in Tron? <laughs> what have you been smoking, Chris? Uh, so, I, there, there's people at the local store that play solder games in the sideboard of Tron. Okay. And other stuff that they hope to cast off their chromatic stars and spheres. Oh, no, that's not why Travis thinks that th- this card is a horrible idea in Tron. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it can do to you. So my next card is Dusk Mantle Seer, which is a 4-4 flying vampire wizard for two, a blue and a black. And it says at the beginning of your upkeep, each player reveals the top card of his or her library, loses life equal to its converted mana cost, and puts that card into their hand. I was wondering, that's not the card that I have the list. Because we wrote, a, we wrote that list before the show of what cards... So that there'd be no bickering between uh, Chris and Travis. And by bickering, what is, I mean crying. What did you have? Because oh, my list has uh, Spark Trooper. Spark Trooper. Oh, yeah. So Spark Trooper's okay, but I don't think it, it's good enough to see modern play. This card, I mean, Bob is a modern staple in any deck that can run it. This card, for one thing, if you play this against Tron, <laughs> they're going to hate their life so much. Every draw step, they're like, I could just be dead now. Yeah, they, the one time you play it and they flip over and Eldrazi and you get to win from it is going to be epic. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I hit my... Uh, what can you play in that? Uh, I don't know. I hit my Gifts Ungiven. I took four. I hit Emrakul. <laughs> what mostly is going to happen, though, is they're going to hit Wormcoil and then they're just going to gain infinite life. Unless you kill them because they just took six damage. Okay, it. <laughs> Not going to happen. But go on. That, I mean, apart from the fact that it is really powerful against Tron, I like the way that like, Modern kills people with its duels, with its shock duels and fetches anyway, and this just accelerates the game, puts more gas into your hand, and I, I, I don't know, I like it in Standard, I think I might like it even more in Modern, because it enables you, you're able to run a lower curve in Modern, so the damage to you is, is mitigated more. Uh, it also means that theirs is two, but you know you have this card. Like, you know you have both. You know what I think this is going to be great against that's going to make Chris cry? Is if you play this <laughs> against Martyr Proc. Oh, yeah, they're just going to love it. <laughs> yeah, like, they're going to giggle. I lose life? Okay. <laughs> Seems they, they will try to find the way to, to fight you to make sure it stays on the board. Like they did with Abyssal Spectre, you mean? Or Abyssal Persecutor? Right. Yes. Like, didn't, <laughs> kill my own abyssal persecutor. No! <laughs> that was always good. 
what was it? There was stuff like uh, Gatekeeper Malik here, and people were like, Malik. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think Dust Mantle Seer is going to see play in both formats. And in modern, I think it's going to be uh, really powerful against some decks and instantly sideboarded out against others. All right. The only problem is that there's a one-word counter to your argument. What's that? It's Bob. It's yeah. Bob. Bob is definitely better, but Bob also costs probably about three times what this will. Not everybody has access to Dark Confidant. Until Modern well, Masters comes out. This thing, uh, then a few more people will have access. This thing can also be blocked by Croconora. So it may be at a disadvantage before it even no, 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 you no, know, no, no. Everything can be blocked by Croconora. That, that is why I thought this card was awful to begin with. Thank you, Travis. Now, no, but Croconora, Croconora just is OP. I mean, Croconora kills Stormcrow. It, it, it is the nuts. And Hovermere. And Hovermere. I mean, this card is bonkers. You know, you just... You can't... That's like saying it dies to Doomblade. Everything dies to Crocodile. You know, actually... You know what I can actually see going on in in Modern? Is people going uh, turn one birds, turn two Crocodile, turn three Dust Mantles here. Because that way you get to drop more cards. I think my brain just broke. To get your Crocodile bigger. That's just... That's OP. You just just broke the format, man. I'm, I'm telling you. I think February 1st, there's a banning coming. Yeah. No, it's not even February 1st. This is going to be banned uh, as soon as this set is legal for tournament play. No, it's going to be banned this week before this podcast goes up, so that when it does go up, we all sound like geniuses. <laughs> it's going to be, and actually what they're going to do is, uh, if you if you have an open one at your pre-release, uh, you're going to have to give it back to the store, and they're just going to give you like a, a Gideon or something. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, Stormcrow is trembling in its wings right now. Crocodora is the nuts. Uh, let's move on to your next card, Will, before this gets even silly. Uh, my, next char- uh, my next card is a repeat from Standard, and it is Boros Charm. Okay. That's because Boros Charm is nuts. Yeah, remind us what this does. All right. uh, it costs one red and one white. Uh, it has three modes, so you choose one. It either deals four damage to target player, permanents you control are indestructible this turn, or target creature gains double strike. So if you're Chris, chances are you're going to play this with Ball Lightning Helix, which happens to be Spark Trooper, which is the 6-1 with Trample, Lifelink, and Haste. Yeah, given that double strike seems rather unfair. <laughs> it, it seems all right. Uh, but actually, most of the time, what you're going to do is uh, you're going to be well. The the red decks are going to want to have this because, and actually, I say the red decks, but also there's a lot of zoo decks going around, and there's a lot of uh, what is it? The the America burn decks, the uh, the red, white, and blue burn decks. And yeah, honestly, I, I think this is probably a better card than uh, Tribal Flames. For two reasons. One, with Tribal Flames, you have to kind of stretch your mana in terms of if you want to get domain. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the fact. So the other thing is the fact that this deals four damage. So yeah, it's less than one with full domain. But the other two modes are relevant as well. And you don't have to have full domain for it to deal four. It will always deal four. 
And uh, there's a lot of decks that, for example, are running Geist of Saint Traft. You know, if you can attack turn three uh, on your played uh, Geist of Saint Traft on turn three, attack turn four with it, give the Angel double strike. Yeah, that's beat. That's a beat down. Or you can even like give if you need to give the Geist double strike in a pinch to save it in combat. Yeah. But it's certainly like, I mean, these decks with all the burn spells they have, right? If you can go like turn one bolt, turn two lightning helix, turn three, uh, play Geist of Saint Traft, uh, the next turn attack with the Geist, you know, double strike the angel, they're, uh, if they, Way have, behind. <laughs> they have any fetches or shocks, they're essentially dead. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's, it's powerful. There's no question about it. This is probably the best charm we've seen out of all ten. Agreed. And the fact that, like, I mean, Tribal Flames is certainly was a card, and in certain cases, like, well, three gaining three life off Lightning Helix can be pretty decent, and the fact that you can hit uh, creatures most of the time, you're using your burn to the dome to just chuck at the mo- chuck away at them as quickly as possible, and the four damage for two mana is is good value. Yeah, it is, no no doubt. All right, uh, your last card, Travis. My last card is Burning Tree Emissary. It costs uh, two of the hybrid red-green mana for a 2-2 human shaman, which is the important part. When Burning Tree Emissary enters the battlefield, add a red mana and a green mana to your mana pool. So basically, it's essentially a free creature. And Shamans is already uh, a fringe deck. Again, I'm using the word fringe for you, Will. That may be able to slot it right into it. Oh, I saw I saw Shamans played this past week at the PTQ. Uh, being able to go uh, turn two uh, Burning Tree Shaman against a bunch of decks is really good. Yep, it dodges Bolt and it just slowly destroys them. But while oh. while human uh, while the Shaman deck, I can certainly see this going into. Uh, I definitely see this going into something like a with a Birthing Pod in it. Because yeah, with yeah. a Birthing Pod in play, being able to get you know your two drop and st- and then it gives you the mana back to be able to activate Birthing Pod is uh, is pretty big. <laughs> I, I do like this. I like I like the ability as well to cast this and then cast the Tamagoy, for example. Or to cast this and go into like I don't know, what else is good at two in like in modern? Cast this and f- cast a lightning bolt. Sure. Or a lightning bolt and then rancor it up. You know, like it's it's essentially giving you and if you ever go this into another copy of it Into something else? Yeah, then you're just laughing. You're just developing your board, right? And well, see, like, it clogs <coughs> up the board, and I think people underestimate in modern how important it is to have creatures on board. Because there's a lot of decks that, you know, don't necessarily have that many creatures, uh, stuff like Tron or whatnot, but if you can just get, I mean, at worst, like, if this is just beating down, I'll take it. It's yeah, not that sure. bare at all. I mean, that's just on turn two. Like, the ability to on turn three, or, or to go Bloodbraid Elf into this, into Tarmogoyf, pretty good. Seems fine. Yep. Yeah, it seems Even something, like, if you go turn one birds, turn two, play this, uh, get your birthing pod, and then turn three, you attack, untap with four mana and play. Like, you can essentially go sack Yellet, Malira, sack Burning Tree Emissary to get uh, Kitchen Finks, and Infinite Life on turn three. Yeah. Uh, even potting into it is fine, right? Like... You don't get to use the pot a second time. But it does give you the mana. Yeah. It does give you mana you to cast... Turn one mana into two mana. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, tap well, a bird, sack it to go get this. I mean, yeah. say you needed to get the um, 
minute it casts Zealous Conscripts from hand. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's got uh, applications across multiple decks, I think, which uh, is, is a bonus in a format as diverse as modern is right now. Yep. And, of course, it, it can also be mana-fixing in a pinch because of the hybrid costing. So. Yep. Pretty sweet. All right, my last card is Demir Charm. Uh, I think this is going to be stronger in modern than it will be in standard. I'll, uh, I'll read the abilities. So it's blue-black for an instant. Uh, choose one. Counter-target sorcery spell or destroy target creature with power two or less or look at the top three cards of target player's library then put one back and the rest into that player's graveyard. The last ability is the one that most people won't see an instant use for. I think that has some niche uses for decks like uh, Storm and Tron, well not Tron, and Eggs and stuff that use uh, Serum Visions. If they leave the card on top, you can probably pretty safely mill it away, knowing that they need it. Uh, however, it's definitely the weakest of the abilities on the card. Well... Actually, where I see this really coming through is uh, in uh, like there's there's an uh, there's Esper control decks that are played, whether it's like a Mystical Teachings deck or some other deck. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times with that deck where like their beatdown plan is with Manland, so between Celestial Colonnade and um, Creeping Tarpet. Creeping Tarpet. But you sent you a lot of times get into a top deck war. Yeah. And I know, for example, like as a like I played Jund against this against this at the PTQ, and when we got into a top deck war, like my top decks are far better than their top decks. You know, like yeah. Bloodbraid Elf does me two spells. At least like this, for example, uh, counter target sorcery spell is relevant in <coughs> against Jund. Uh, it gets uh, their Discard. It gets their discard, it gets their Maelstrom Pulses in some cases, and then th- there's some other spells such as Sowing Salts that it gets. It can get Lingering Souls. It can get Lingering Souls as well, which can be pretty big. Uh, destroy target creature with power two or less, it hits Deathrite Chairman, and it hits Bob, yep. which is relevant. But the other thing is that the last ability, when you get into that top deck war, if you, can, if you draw this, you can at least blank your opponent's top deck. Well, you can't blank it. You can... Well, you can essentially, like, you know, if you look at the top three cards, you can be like, oh, like, land, put it on top, and then put the other two into his graveyard, so then he draws a land, right? Yeah. So, like, at worst, if it gets down to a top deck war, you can at least buy you another turn, and if you have your man lands in play, then, you know, you can easily activate them, beat, and then cast this to basically get buy you another turn to beat with them. Yeah, and the counter sorcery spells, I mean, not just in Jun, but, like, Scapeshift, it counters... Uh, epic experiment, it'll counter. Modern, uh, it'll counter Proclamation of Rebirth if anyone ever hardcasts it, which I have done on occasion. It does count um, Immortal Servitude. Servitude, thank you. That was the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, gets that too. Um, and, you know, there are some relevant sorceries in this format. Gifts Ungiven is an instant, right? Yeah. Yes. So that's, that doesn't help. Though Aerial uh, Rights is a sorcery. Yeah. It is. So is Explore. So you can slow down Tron. Unless they have two Explores. <laughs> they always have two Explores. Wow. Do you think we've beaten that joke to death yet, or is it still funny? No, I'm pretty sure it's still hilarious. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think this card has a chance to be a lot more than niche playable. I think it's got potential across a majority, uh, across a variety of decks, too. 
to stop them from doing what they need to do while also having the ability to help you out. So, pretty good. So what do we think overall of this set and its impact on modern? I like it. But of course, I think the guild mages are going to either strengthen or spawn their own format, their own uh, deck types. Yes, uh, Travis is now going to have modern guild mages as a format. <laughs> Maybe I can just put all the guild mages into one deck. <laughs> you should do that. And then make sure to play me in a PTQ so I can get a win. What if we took all the guild mages and put them in a deck? Isn't that what Travis just, Travis just said? I was making the SpongeBob joke. Anyway, yeah. what? Don't. don't watch SpongeBob. I do not watch right. SpongeBob. I have a hatred for SpongeBob, actually. It's a meme. Okay. Uh, then you get to live. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, I, I think, I mean, any new set that comes out is obviously going to have less impact on Eternal formats than on Standard because of the t- bigger card pool. I mean, that's just a given, right? Correct. But, it, like, this, I don't think this set has as many cards that have an immediate impact on Modern, like Return to Ravnica did. Ravnica did have a... Uh, it had Death Red Shaman. Death Red Shaman, which pretty much took over. It had uh, Goblin Electromancer Change Storm. It had Abrupt Decay. Like there. Now, in fairness, nobody saw Electromancer in Storm to start with. And Abrupt Decay and Death Red Shaman were the only two that everybody was like, yes, this is absolutely going to be good in modern. Right, but the effect of this set, like, I'd say that Death Ray Shaman has a bigger effect on modern than this set does. Mm, maybe. Uh, uh, just looking at it, I, I mean... Well, the it's also going to put in five more Shocklands, which the format desperately needs. I know I really need breeding pools. Yeah, it's going to lower the price on those, which will enable more people to get into the format. That, that's true. But Immortal Servitude, I think, is going to have a big effect. Uh, Skullcrack, for sure. Maybe even Viscopa Guildmage. Spell is going to be an awesome sideboard card. Mm-hmm. And I think Spell Rupture is better than, than you guys are even giving it credit for. And you weren't, not that you were saying it was going to be bad, but I just don't think you're giving that card enough credit. I think it's going to be really, really good. I think it's good when you pair it with Tarmac which will be like a 4-5 or 5-6. Well, I mean, the thing is, you're, you're thinking too big. You don't always have to make it that huge. People tap out for spells all the time in modern. You know, like, this is more often than not going to be Mana Leak. And that counters spells nearly all the time. Well, you're definitely going to want a one-drop in that deck, then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, what deck doesn't play a one-drop right now? If you're on the play, you go Death Rite Shaman and, and a Bug Delver list, which is a thing. And they go, you know, turn one, whatever. Turn two, you lay a land. You can counter that turn two play. You know, it's, it's basically a force spike. I think it's, I think it's got a lot of potential to slow the format down, which is what control decks have needed. You know, that's what the control players have been saying. This format needs to slow down. There's no good permission. This is good permission, I think. I could see it being passable permission. I could see it being playable, let's put it that way. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, any other thoughts you have on the set in modern? Um... I know there's a couple cards we didn't mention. Like, we didn't mention Realm Rite, which can certainly, uh, in something like a Scapeship deck, could certainly be played. I realize Prismatic only exists, but it can certainly have uh, some form of impact. We also didn't mention Glaring Spotlight, which is the, 
the, as Travis so puts it, the Mia Culpa for, against uh, hexproof creatures. Yeah, and it, I think uh, in something like Affinity, that card can come in out of the sideboard and not only stop hexproof creatures, but also just win you the game. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it'll certainly win you the game uh, a whole lot with Affinity. You'll also see some... Oh, go ahead. You'll probably also see somebody try an unexpected results or draw Z deck. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's one more card that we did not mention that is uh, pretty much like if someone could design a crazy card, is that card, and it's Enter the Infinite. <laughs> which, says, which says, draw your deck. I mean, it doesn't actually say that, but it says that in other words. And then you may put the card back. So, obviously, there's a lot of people that are going to be like, well, I can turn three unexpected results into omniscience and then play Enter the Infinite and win the game. And, well, yes, you can certainly do that. The likelihood of that is not very high. No, it's less. So, uh, obviously, I mean, yes, you can play the spell off of omniscience, but unless you have an omniscience, it's just uncastable. And unplayable. Because <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do with all those cards in your hand? You're going <laughs> to untap next turn with 12 mana in play and hope to win then. You're going to have four Simeon Spirit Gods, of course. <laughs> well, you, you do untap with all of the cards in your library, but you know all they need to do is like Thought Scour you. You know the one thing that I could potentially see this being played in? Just what? for as someone... Well, not seriously, but someone playing it if they want for uh, for some chuckles is playing this an epic experiment. I was thinking oh. of that, but that's, that, I mean, duh. why wouldn't you just play Worldfire? Well, because that doesn't kill them. It does if you stack it right. He's got a point there. Right, but you need to hit, like, a burn spell, right? Well, yeah, I mean, so if, you get, if you do 11 cards, you just make sure Worldfire goes off first, and you start the game with, what, 4 or 5 land, and then whatever else? You don't, well, you, only if you're playing ramp spells, you, you start with land. Yeah, this is a bad idea, Travis. Why do you bring? Why do you suggest playing Infi- Enter the Infinite? That's just awful. <laughs> Shouldn't have been mentioned. But no, it's just like, well, yeah, it's de- certainly uncastable. The fact that Wizards actually put draw your deck on a card is uh, is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, plus it's also pretty funny to hit off like Eradicate Explosion or something like that. What's that? Erratic Explosion. You know, the one that reveals the top card of your library and deals damage equal to its converted mana cost. So you're going to be playing this in your Dust Mental Seer deck, aren't you? No, I'm not. <laughs> no. Nor will I be playing Emrakul or Wormrakul or any of the other gigantic things. Wormrakul? What the hell's Wormrakul? <laughs> <laughs> you know, World Spine Worm. Oh, I actually saw that through the Breach of World Spine Worm this weekend. That doesn't sound horrible. No, he's like, hit you for 15 and end up with three five fives. I saw that. That was fantastic. <laughs> what won your PTQ, Will? Uh, Jund. Not played by Will. Not played by me. I came in Maybe you see Blood Braid Elf Band. Yeah, nope. No Blood Braid Elf Bandings. Nope. I came in 14th at the PTQ, which was good for a box. Nice. Dang. Oh. I was okay with that. Yeah, the uh, the top top sixteen got a box. Well, top eight got uh, it was the face to face games PTQ. So uh, top eight got uh, one and a half boxes, 
or a box and another half a box. Uh, nine to sixteen got half a bo- uh, full box. Uh, up to top thirty-two got a third of a box, and then thirty-three to forty-four got three packs. So, okay. Yeah, I'd like to go with one of their PTQs. So yes, please. Yeah, the the total prize for packs was there was over nine hundred packs in the. How many? Over nine. Over nine hundred. Not not quite over nine thousand. Not quite over nine thousand. No. How well, many I'll, people showed up for your PTQ? Uh, there was one fifty-five. Yeah, so it, people not as good as the sealed one, but that's to be expected. Yeah, but it was uh, the prize payout was six packs per person into the prize pool. That's obscene. So well, yeah, I mean that's that's really good for a modern PTQ, considering this is the really the first season that modern's got to take off. Yeah. So now, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of prize payout, face has always been good, and uh, no, the the PTQ was a was a, a good blast. Although I did play three affinities in the first four rounds. So it just goes to show that we're not the only ones that uh, face-to-face takes care of. You know, they will take care of anybody who goes there. So check them out, face-to-facegames.com. All right. Where you can, since we're doing the previews, uh, you can pre-order every single card from Gatecrash from face-to-face games. And they're actually, if you want to compare, go online and check. They're actually less expensive than pretty much all the bigger sites. Actually, all the bigger sites. And shipping within Canada is, in fact, it's within North America is dirt cheap. Yeah, it is. For Canada, it's a dollar ninety-nine cents. For uh, the United States, uh, I think it's a dollar ninety-nine. Yep. And if if you're going to be at GP Quebec City, you can pick up for free. Actually, most GPs, the, uh, any GP that they're at. Right. Well, the next one is GP Quebec City. It is indeed. So. That's going to be awesome. All right. Since we didn't do them on the last show this week, uh, let's do some shout-outs and wrap this baby up. So, uh, Will, you got any shout-outs? Seriously, we're not doing a moment of geekery? I actually had one. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to what my moment of geekery would have been. Uh, I actually found this three weeks, three weeks ago. But on uh, there's a Twitter account called Modern Seinfeld. I don't know if yeah. you've yeah. heard of this. Yep. Okay. So, if you aren't following this, uh, this account, you need to go follow this account. Uh, it's someone who create a Twitter account, and uh, they tweet out synopsis for shows. And every single one that I read is just, it's its fantastic, and it uh, its certainly... Uh, it's certainly it makes you wish the Seinfeld was still around, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Actually, I think I have seen some of these retweeted, yeah. So, like, for example, the latest one is uh, Jerry's Girlfriend, uh, and then they normally write who play would play that. Plays too much Angry Birds, so they have, <laughs> then they have a quote from Jerry. So like, pig steals eggs, birds kill pigs. It's a farmhouse conflict. It's not your war. <laughs> right on, Travis. Do you have a moment of geekery? We'll do a moment of geekery, I guess. Uh, I do not. I was not expecting but to have to have one. Nobody expects the moment of geekery. Fail here, Travis. I will have an extra moment of geekery next time. Not here, Travis. I have one for you. Okay. There you go. I put it in the uh, in the in the Skype window. My moment of geekery is a video from YouTube. I don't know if I've used this before, but neither Travis nor Will could remember. You it. have not. There was a video going around on YouTube of Howard Finkel, also known as the Fink, 
long-time WWF, at the time, ring announcer, doing the introductions for the wedding party at a wedding reception. And it was the most epic wedding reception I have ever seen. It's hilarious. And apparently he does this, like, for anyone. It's not just for friends. So you, you can afford, if you can afford him, you can get this done at your wedding. If I ever get married again, this is happening at my wedding. So fair warning to all potential Lansdale wives out there. This is happening. It's hilarious. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You have to watch it. It's great. All right. Uh, Travis, shout outs? Uh, shout out to Team Girth. They performed at a PTQ this weekend. I haven't got to hear how the results were. So, uh, Kurt, Billy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's Kirk Dubay to you. Yeah. Mr. Kirk Dubay. Yeah, Mr. Kirk Dubay. Shout out to that guy. Which you may be hearing about him if you read, I think it's Caleb Derwald's article this week. They they wound up playing each other, and he made, not Kirk, the other guy made the finals, uh, but their match had a pretty big game rule violation. They decided the match, and they didn't catch till afterwards, so his loss stood. Actually, do you guys know what a hammer shuffling is? No. It's when you uh, shuffle by pulling cards out of the middle of your deck and then putting them underneath. So the top okay. It all stays like that. Mm-hmm. There's actually someone who got DQ'd for that uh, at the PTQ. Now, we'll just say, really? no, describe this again. Yeah, it was... Uh, okay, so what happens is you have your deck. So say you're holding it in your left hand. And with your right hand, you pull out, say, part of the middle of the deck... Yeah, and then which essentially leaves the top card, the card on top there, and then you put the what you pulled out on the bottom of the deck. There's like certain techniques of doing it, but essentially you're shuffling it so that the top card stays on top. So it actually happened in the last round. It was uh, between two players who were winning in, and there was uh, I I personally would not have wanted to be uh, the judges on staff there because they had to take interview they had to they were interviewing the person who did it they were interviewing the opponent they were interviewing the people that saw it it was i think it took i think they were spending they spent 30 minutes uh, interviewing everyone to get yeah. a story straight until finally they came to the decision that that did happen and uh, they had to they had to disqualify that person so who was the head judge uh, michael McClement. yeah he's a very good judge he would not disqualify anybody if there was any doubt in his mind that there was uh, cheating going on. So that's it. I, for like for all the judges that I've ever had, he's he's absolutely fantastic. And you know, I talked to him afterwards, and he was like, "No, there." Like he would never he would never make a bad to judge call of anything. He's like over cautious when it comes to it. He wants to just make sure to consult everyone, which yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So I can't, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to comment on it, obviously, but kids, shuffle your decks properly. And repeatedly. Yes. Uh, Will, do you have any shout-outs from the PTQ or anybody you want to? Uh, well, actually, a shout-out to, uh, to FaceFace Games for hosting uh, for hosting an awesome PTQ. I had a, an absolute ballast. Uh, also, uh, ballast? You had a ballast, did you? I had a ballast. <laughs> I had a ballast. Okay. Uh, Chris won't like this, but a shout-out to Jay Boosh, because on the last episode of the A-Team, he came up with the fantastic idea of abolishing shoutouts. So you know, every he most of his ideas aren't fantastic, but every now and then he comes through with a with a pretty decent idea. So I've got the fantastic idea of abolishing J. <laughs> well, I'm. I, but then, I, what would you have to complain about, Chris? 
but I don't complain about it. <laughs> what would you? All right, if you were to abolish Jay Bush, what would you have hanging above your bed that you just glare out every night before you go to sleep? Other than the same, the same thing I do now. <laughs> hey, he, has, he has a mirror, so he can look at himself. And Act, actually accurate. Finally, to a shout out to uh, to Ray Lewis and the Ravens, who beat the Patriots, and we're going to the Super Bowl. They didn't just beat the Patriots; they murdered them. But Ray Lewis was acquitted. Oh, they. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All, all yours, man. Uh, my shout outs. I want to give a shout out to my girlfriend Andrea. Girlfriend plug. Uh, for surprising the hell out of me and showing up on my doorstep on Thursday evening and making my weekend absolutely amazing. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to Mev, Steve Whalen, who was the first guy I certified as a judge and judged his first tournament this weekend completely all by himself. Did very well. Very proud of the guy. Uh, who else have we got? Give a shout-out to Mike White for winning the tournament and getting his uh, free entry on the buy-in to the CMT which will be happening here in Newfoundland on February 16th. Uh, head judged by yours truly. Looking forward to that. And a final shout-out to everybody I'm going to see at GP Quebec City in just over a month, uh, including all of the awesome judges. And an anti-shout-out to Jeff Foster for going to GP Charlotte instead. You can't fault the guy. GP Charlotte's going to be awesome. I uh, hope I get yeah, to go. It won't have me, so... <laughs> which is why it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think we need an anti-shout-out to Travis as well for not being there. Yeah. Hey, fingers are still crossed that I get to go to GP Charlotte. Come, come to Quebec. If you want, I can win you over with a very convincing argument. Uh, well, at this I point, in, I don't have a passport, so... Well, I'll get one. I, I live in Montreal, right? So Quebec's actually colder than Montreal, but currently in Montreal, it is the same temperature, since we measure temperature in Celsius, it is the same temperature in Celsius as it is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> negative 4,000? That's good. It is, it is negative 40. And truth be told, it's kind of chilly, but you know, not re- not really that bad. So I mean, if you want to come and have some awesome weather, Quebec's the place to be. Will's podcasting outside right now. Yeah, I'm telling you, GP hell froze over. That's the hashtag for Quebec. <laughs> I actually did. Your go polar bear keep you warm. I actually did go and shovel snow uh, this morning in my boxers because I was too lazy to find pants. Okay, I didn't need that mental image. You're welcome. So, on that note, we all throw up. It's shout out to the wife. Wrap this baby up. Shout out to Travis's wife. So, from the absent Adina, from Will, and from Travis, and from Will's boxes, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notions. Hellrider. Hellrider.